Hey, y'all. Welcome to the White Coat, White Collar Podcast, where we help current and aspiring STEM and healthcare professionals demystify the career landscape. I'm your resident host and corporate scientist, Dr. Aurelia Whitmore. Each and every episode, I'm bringing you along as I talk shop with active professionals. We're discussing career journeys from white coat to white collar and everywhere in between. So turn the volume up and let's get this interview started. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited. I have Dr. Kara Glover here in the studio today. Say hey, Kara. Hi. This is my family sister and my STEM sister and all of those good things. And so I'm so excited to have Kara on. I feel like I kind of stalked you on LinkedIn. Like, although we were in pharmacy school together, I feel like somehow I saw you from a post or something. And I was just like, oh my goodness, like I need to be connected with her. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I find everyone on LinkedIn. I guess LinkedIn is the GOAT. It's the GOAT. But Kara, so I want to talk to our listeners today about your experience as a pharmacist going into an accelerated program, your experience at mid-year, and then finally securing an industry position at AstraZeneca, where you currently work as a fellow and doing different rotations. So you just completed your medical informant rotation, and now you're going into medical strategy. So we're going to talk to our listeners about your entire journey, and we're going to leave everybody with a little piece of advice based off your experience and your experience. So let's get started. So you have a farm D from Florida A&M University. Go Rattlers. <laughs> yes, go Rattlers. So tell us a little bit about the pharmacy program. So you did an accelerated program. You don't have a bachelor's. You only have a farm D. Tell us a little bit about the program and why, as a high school student, you decided an accelerated program over a bachelor's and then farm D program. Right. So I knew I wanted to do something in medicine. I knew that Actually, my dream was to be a doctor. I, I have this perfect catch line of being like a cardiologist. I was like, I'm going to fix the hearts everywhere. Oh. But, <laughs> but I was talking to my mom and she's like, I think you should go to pharmacy school. Mm-hmm. I have a family friend of mine who went to FAM and mm-hmm. the zero to six. And she was living a really nice life, a really comfortable life. It was great to see that. And I mean, I didn't really know many pharmacists then. And I was just like, okay, you know, do this. I'll go to school. And in my head, I always knew like, okay, after I was done, I was going to go to medical school. It's like, all right, this is just like one stop to medical school. Mm. So I applied to FAM. And Mm. first of all, FAMU, I owe so much to FAM. I came from an all white area, really in Orlando. And Mm. I needed this moment of feeling celebrated and just being really mm. embraced by people that look like me and yeah. also meeting people that had goals that were similar to mine and just drived for excellence. And not saying that you don't see that when you're at home, but I think it's a different experience when you have people that are your age that are also striving for the same things that you are. Absolutely. So I went to FAM and did the zero to six and Mm -hmm. always in my head for the first few years, I was like, I'm going to medical school. 
but those first two years were brutal. Taking <laughs> taking pre-pharmacy classes because it's just yeah. so much at once. Then you go into pharmacy school. And if I could go back, I would think, you know, how did I do it? I, every <laughs> moment, every year was just like, it felt sluggish. But yeah. then when you look back, you're like, wow, that flew by. But while you're going yeah. through it, it feels rough. <laughs> yes. you make it. You make right. it. And that's, that's what matters. It's the end. Right. So now tell us maybe the differences between an accelerated program and then maybe achieving a bachelor's and then going into pharmacy school. So with accelerated program, did you have to take any tests prior to going into pharmacy school? So at BAM, if you're accepted into their pre-pharmacy or that pharmacy track, the requirement is that you meet these certain requirements and that's like a certain GPA. And it's not to say that you're guaranteed admittance into the program, but you're pretty there, you know, like if Mm -hmm. you do everything that you need to do, you should be Mm -hmm. able to get in the program. And it's just GPA dependent? GPA classes that you have to take, you know, you have to satisfy... And these are high school before stepping foot into the college campus, right? So I actually don't know how they determine whether or not we're accepted from high okay. school. Yeah. But somehow we get accepted. I don't know what the criteria is there. Mm-hmm. But then when you're in your first two years, you're mm-hmm. pretty much signed up to say like, hey, if I complete these requirements, I will gotcha. gain admittance to the pharmacy school. So gotcha. Your two years is not guaranteed, but if you do what you need to do, it should yes. be like the first ah, I see. So after those two years, do you have to like apply for the program? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. You formally apply with mm-hmm. everyone else. So everyone else who went and got a bachelor's, everyone right. else who may have had three years of schooling or however mm-hmm. many years of schooling, people that may have gotten a bee farm and then came back. Like I assume that they applied then too. Right. Um, but you apply, you get in. And mm-hmm. so for fam or for mm-hmm. many of the zero to six programs, it's literally two years pre-farm and then mm-hmm. four years of pharmacy school nonstop. And mm-hmm. most zero to six programs do not give you a bachelor's degree. Now, there are two plus four programs, which are pretty much the same thing as zero to six, but Mm -hmm. you get a bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. And then you have like traditional, which is someone comes in with a bachelor's or a master's and then applies. So typically that's like eight years plus schooling. Wow. Wow. Do you remember having courses with people who completed four years of a bachelor's and then? Yes. (laughs) And I mean, you can tell. I mean, we had... I had people in my class that were like, I, I felt like I was maybe an adult, but they were yeah. real adults. Yeah. <laughs> like had kids, had a family, had a whole life. Wow. And I'm like, I am still in my prime time of just going, you know, yeah. partying at, at the end of everything. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So they're pretty much three tiers of pharmacy school. They accelerated, you said the two plus year. Four. Yeah. Yeah, two plus four, and then the then the eight-year program. Right. That's awesome. So being in pharmacy school, taking that accelerated program, how old were you, if you don't mind, when you when you finished? Yeah, I finished uh I was 24. Because I just okay. so yeah, twenty four wow. years old. Wow, a doctor at twenty four years old. I bet your family was was so excited at graduation <laughs> and 
cheering you on and everything. That's so awesome. So most pharmacists, as we know, typically go into retail pharmacy. They're the pharmacists we see at CVS, Walgreens, dispensing medications. So you don't do that. No. So going into pharmacy school, did you know that you didn't want to do retail? Yeah. Well, you know, we have these clinical experiences and mm-hmm. I had my first appier. They're called, mm-hmm. I mean, not appy, ippies, but there are mm-hmm. these clinical experiences that we get to do while we're in school. Mm-hmm. And my first one was at a retail store and it was at Walmart. And I mm-hmm. knew, I was like, oh, you know, I thought I had it. I'm a really personable person. I love people. Yes. But when it comes to certain people in their healthcare, you know, they're not nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's a different ball game. Yeah. I absolutely knew that that wasn't for me. I knew standing mm. up behind a counter was not going to be for me yes. without a chair. <laughs> and I just didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't yeah. feel like I was really impacting the patient as much as I wanted to. Yes. So as I was going through the experiences that we were offered in school, I was like, yeah, that's no. So mm. I did retail. Mm. I was like, that's not going to work. Right. I did hospital rotation. I was like, this is cool, but still felt like I was missing that patient interaction. And I felt like, I don't know, I just didn't feel like the pharmacist really got enough respect for all that they did. I feel mm. like there's so much that you do and it's kind of like in the background. And I'm like, yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. So I moved. <laughs> I, moved like, I, need this. I need this instant gratification. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, I knew certain points. I was like, yeah, this isn't going to be for me. I really need something that I can touch more people, mm-hmm. reach more people, yeah. really make an impact. And maybe my parents don't know that I helped, you know, make sure that that commercial is you know, scientifically sound, but I know the work that I do really touches not just maybe the one or 10 patients you see in a day, but I'm touching thousands of patients. Right, right, for sure. And that's in your current job as a medical informant, which we'll we'll get into how you impact patients through content and commercials and different things. And so let's talk about how you knew throughout your pharmacy school, when you did your rotations, what you like, what you semi like, and what you didn't like. So did you have an industry experience during your pharmacy? Tell us about that. I did a rotation on my last year. Well, mm-hmm. before then, I've actually had a lot of conversations with a lot of like family alum. And mm-hmm. that's the best thing, like the network. Yes. I just networked a lot and just met with people mm-hmm. and asked mm-hmm. them, what do they do? And I was really stuck on this role that's called MSL, medical science liaison. I was like, I want to be an MSL. It Mm -hmm. sounds great. I can, you know, have these scientific engagements, Mm -hmm. you know, talk to people and really talk nerd talk, like just talk. (laughs) Yes. And I was, I was so excited. I was like, this is what I want to do. So I would go on LinkedIn and just like look for any MSL that may have went to BAM. And I'm like, can I have a call with you? Right. Those informational interviews are vital. Right. And this was before. This is while I was in pharmacy school. I, mm-hmm. I knew that these these other paths weren't going to work. So I had to figure out something really quick. Right. And FAMU does have an opportunity where you can apply for this rotation at BMS for Samara mm-hmm. Squibb. 
Mm-hmm. And I applied and I got the rotation and mm-hmm. I was in medical strategy and it really just sealed the deal for me. I loved it. And I was like, yeah, yeah this is what I went to school for. So the networking that you did, was that, I know you said you did it because you were first interested in an MSL position. So how did you secure the internship? Was it an internal program through FAMU and you saw the program and you applied for it? So the FAMU BMS rotation, they allows students from all of the HBCUs that have a pharmacy school, you can apply and Mm -hmm. it's a formal interview process that they were the ones that really helped, I would say, but at the same time, lightly, because grooming can be a a very tough word, but I will say groomed me to make sure that I was prepared to be in industry. Yeah. Yeah. And that program at BMS helped you. So what did you learn from the industry rotations that you probably didn't achieve in some of the other rotations? I learned that it's the soft skills that get you somewhere. It's not always about what you know. I mean, it, it's really, you know, you hear your parents say it's not about, you know, what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. And what I learned in industry, it's not always about who you know, it's mm-hmm. who you know that can get the job done well or who right. has the resources. Mm-hmm. So I really felt a connection to what I did while I was in school. So I worked in real estate while I was in school, all throughout pharmacy. Wow, really? Yeah. So That's so cool. <laughs> I worked in leasing and I loved it. And yes, I was yes. looking for something to kind of tie the two. But yeah. those soft skills that I learned, like how to deal with people, how to yes. manage people and how yes. to, you know, find what you need and what they need. So I was like, this is what I'm looking for. And I mean, when you're on your clinical rotations, it's all about what you know. You spit out knowledge. You spit out knowledge all day. Mm -hmm. Where I didn't necessarily want to spit knowledge. I just wanted to make sure that whoever I was impacting got what they needed. Right. That's awesome. And so the medical strategy internship sealed the deal for you. And you knew that Your next move was going to be medical strategy upon graduation, right? Yes. Okay. And so how did you prepare your path to AstraZeneca? I know that you attended mid-year. Why don't you tell us a little bit about mid-year and actually describe to our listeners too, maybe what is mid-year for pharmacists and how important is it to be prepared for mid-year? Yes. So mid-year is like the biggest conference that... I mean, I would say pharmacy has. It's Mm -hmm. run by the American Society of Health System Pharmacists. And Mm -hmm. it's huge. It can be very daunting because there's so many people that come, but you learn so much. And for me, I knew that I needed to go because they have this thing called PPS and it's personal placement services. And it's where you Mm -hmm. can apply for jobs or fellowship positions or just learn more about companies. And to prepare for that, I knew I wanted to do Rutgers because Rutgers is the oldest pharmacy fellowship program and it's the largest. And -hmm. I was really looking for a network. That was what I was looking for. I was like, I need a network Mm -hmm. because your network is your net worth. So I was like, I need a large network. Mm -hmm. And so I applied through Rutgers. And Mm -hmm. while I was on the plane going to mid-year, I made a PowerPoint of all of the companies that I was going to apply to, what the roles were, what job description that Mm -hmm. the role had. And Mm -hmm. I just kept on thinking, like, how can I tie my experiences to this role? 
And so when I sat down and at mid-year, if you do do fellowships, most of them you're doing interviews and it's back to back to back. It's literally like six days of interviews Mm. and you have so many companies and so many people vying for these same positions. So Mm I ate and breathed like (laughs) mid-year. Like I I sat down, I think I had snacks, you know, Mm. don't wear heels, girls don't wear heels. You you do wear little kitten heels because you're going to be moving all day. But I was prepared. I was going through this PowerPoint that I made and I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, I know who this person is. I know who that person is. I talked to the fellows because they do do interviews with you. So Mm -hmm. it's important to have those conversations and mid-year you learn so much. It's not Mm -hmm. just about you being interviewed, but you're also interviewing the company because you're signing up for two years of your life, given away to a company at half price. Right. (laughs) I like the half price. (laughs) Yeah. So you better like it. You better like the people that you work with. Yes, for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'd love to see this PowerPoint you created. (laughs) (laughs) I will will share it with you. It is. It could be could be probably helpful. Did you make like little faces, like a map of the faces and who you needed to talk to? I had pictures. So with Rutgers, we have brochures. So every company has Mm -hmm. brochures and there's 19 companies that Rutgers has. And they're typically like, you know, large pharma. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you have Pfizer, BMS, AstraZeneca, Novartis, Mm -hmm. all of the big pharma and also smaller pharma too. Mm-hmm. And mid-sized pharma. So I made these slides and it would say like AstraZeneca and my fellowship. And it would have the job description and it would have highlights and I would connect mm-hmm. it to a story. So in my yes. head, they asked, right. why did I want to do a certain position? I knew, okay, how am I going to tie this to something I've done in the past? Right. That's amazing advice for mid-year attendees to create slides where you're taking the job the job title and the description and connecting those descriptions to stories and experiences that you've had, whether it be in pharmacy school and your previous rotations and um, making that relevant to the job. That's awesome. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right. You mentioned Rutgers being the oldest and largest fellowship program with 19 companies, right? Yeah. So when you interviewed at Rutgers, did they place you with a company or did you interview for those individual 19 companies with Rutgers. So at Rutgers, you do per role. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in one company, there might be 20 roles, but I knew I wanted to be in medical because I had the experience in medical. Mm -hmm. I had that rotation. I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is the place where I feel like I could use my pharmacy degree. I I can use my clinical knowledge. And I knew I wanted to be in oncology. So I was looking Mm -hmm. for big oncology companies, people Mm -hmm. that had pipelines that were strong in oncology and something I I won't say I was looking for name recognition because that wasn't Mm -hmm. something that was as important, but it was definitely Mm -hmm. like, do you have the resources to back this pipeline? So I thought about all those things. I mean, I went on fiercepharma.com and was Mm -hmm. looking at like the stats and all all of that, just being prepared, really prepared, probably over-prepared. That's Um, awesome. No such thing. No (laughs) such thing. Thing. How long did it take you to prepare for mid-year? Like, was this a three-month, six-month process for you to have all your ducks in a row? So mid-year, you know, when you're applying, it's that December of your P4 year. So your mm-hmm. last year of pharmacy school. 
And for me, I was preparing for mid-year since P3 year. I was really preparing to be a fellow. When I was at my rotations, it didn't matter what rotation it is. Mm-hmm. Industry or not, I would ask them to have mock interviews with me mm-hmm. because I was just like, hey, you know what you're looking for. You guys have been in the industry. Like you all are pharmacists. So what are some things in maybe not necessarily job description or job title is the same as what I would be doing in industry, but everyone has a piece of, of knowledge that they can give, whether it's right. soft skills, maybe it's you talk with your hands too much, or maybe you move <laughs> around too much. And those were the things I wanted to really elevate of myself. Like I wanted to get better. So I would literally have mock interviews. I would, anybody who I felt a connection with saw my CV I don't yes. care what it meant. I remember the first time I gave my CV to someone and then they it came back and there were so many red marks. Was, yes. What? <laughs> me too. Yeah. That, I, that's happened to me before too. Yeah. Me? I put so much work into this. Exactly. But it literally makes you better. And I, mm-hmm. I think I was trying to keep that positive energy. But there are some right. times where you feel like, I thought I was good, but you know, you need those people to tell you like, Hey, say this in a different way. Say this, like, don't forget to add that. That's important. And I'm glad that I had those people around me and those preceptors or those mentors around me that kept pushing me to talk to everybody. She's like, there's no one that you can talk. Everyone has friends. Everyone knows someone. So talk to everyone. Right. And be yourself. Right. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's really, really, really good advice. Now, when you were preparing, like, did you prepare with a group of people or was this a very individual experience? So I did have one, a really great friend who was also going through the experience with me. Mm-hmm. She was looking into another function within industry and we both had the same BMS rotation. So we mm-hmm. both were feeling the same struggle. I mean, we stayed yeah. together at mid-year. So yeah. it was nice to have that person to just bounce off of and right. sometimes just talk to you to keep our energy up. But yes. yeah, I say if you find a group, find a good mm-hmm. group who's going to continue to push you. Um, right. I loved it. I don't know that I would have made it without her. Wow. It was wow. really helpful. That's awesome. So why don't you tell us now about the role that you accepted through the Workers Fellowship? Yes. So I did accept a role. It's Oncology Global Medical Information Medical Strategy role. So I knew I wanted to be in oncology. I knew that that was something that was hands down not an option. I have a really strong love for oncology. And obviously, I think everyone has been touched by oncology. But I just think it's a ever-changing place to be in. Never, never too comfortable in oncology. Mm-hmm. And I knew medical information is really important. I knew medical strategy, obviously, from that experience was really important. And I knew I wanted to get more information and more experience because I felt like those were really the backbone of pharma. I, I was right. like, you know, if you don't have a strategy, mm-hmm. what do you have? If you right. don't know the medical information, How can you get that out there? How can you get the word out? How can you make sure that your physicians understand what's going on? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, this is a perfect place to be. This is a perfect place. If this isn't just the start, but this is the perfect place to be. 
That's awesome. So I know you mentioned everyone has been touched by oncology, which is true, but why is oncology so important and special for you? Yeah, I had a really close family friend who got diagnosed with cancer while I was in pharmacy school. My mm. grandmother got diagnosed with cancer while I was in pharmacy school. And I just felt like I always had this, you know, love for cancer, although we only have such a short little block when you're in school to learn about it. I felt like it was such an untouched place to be. I feel like it was just, there's never enough data. There's never enough research. And I wanted to be able to look at my grandma and look at my, my really, because she's like my second mom. I wanted to look at her and say like, you have an option, you have other options, you have choices. And I didn't want anyone to feel how, you know, we felt as a family when it was close to the end. And it's just like, what do you, what do you do? And you know, you hear be the change. Like if you want to see change, be the change. And I knew that that's something I wanted to do. Luckily, both of them are alive today and both are in remission. And so it's a great place to be in. And it makes me feel even more that I chose the right place to be. Right. For sure. That's awesome. Do they come to you sometimes maybe if they want to understand how, you know, about pathway or maybe the clinical sense of things? Is that a question you may get sometimes from family members? Absolutely. I became the family doctor and I tell them all the time, that was the part that I slept in. I don't know that you want <laughs> like, I don't think y'all want to ask me, but no, they do. And I think yeah. that makes it even bigger. And again, another reason that we need more people of color in these roles right. because we become this expert yes. in our families Absolutely. and we need more of that. And it doesn't matter what area you're in, but we mm-hmm. need more of that. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so... You mentioned a few terms. You mentioned medical strategy, you mentioned medical information. Why don't you go into a little bit of detail about the difference of those two roles and how it applies to a pharmaceutical company for oncology? Awesome. So medical information is a wide range of things, but when you think of medical information, it's exactly what it is. It's making sure that the clinical data that comes in, right? So the studies, that it's written in a way that physicians can understand it and also that it can be transcribed for even patients. And medical information, you're typically creating materials for those people that are out in the field that are having those conversations with the physicians. And also you're making sure that the information that's leaving the company is correct. So you hear this term a lot in pharma about being fair and balanced. So we're not just going to feed you everything good. We're going to give you everything that is good. And what are the risks? So MI or medical information really solidifies that. I like to say they're the backbone of pharma. They Mm -hmm. make sure that the data that we gather from the clinical trials are placed in a way that Mm -hmm. is digestible. For most people, whether that be in the medical background or even patients. Mm -hmm. So it seems like there's a divide between the information produced for physicians and the information produced maybe for patients. So you do you have experience in both of those realms? So now most of these pieces are created by other areas of the business, Mm -hmm. but 
I have seen and made comments. I mean, mm-hmm. even when I was on rotations, mm-hmm. I saw a patient pamphlet that was supposed to be like a patient guide. And I was like, it's something as simple as page numbers, you know, mm-hmm. things that maybe because we're so deep in the weeds that we don't yeah. think about, but then sometimes you have to take a step back and say like, is a patient going to know that this is the way that they need to read and then read this side and then read that side? No, we need to put page numbers because it helps people understand like, okay, I read this. Now I need to read this. Right. There's a story to it. And I think that's where, again, being a pharmacist and having a pharmacist background is great because Mm -hmm. you have seen patients before, you know what they need, or you've been working with physicians before, you know, the type of conversations that are being had. So you can really advocate from the inside. For sure. That's awesome. That's a really, really good point that you made. And so what would you say to someone who's maybe been in retail and they're listening to the show and they're like, wow, I think I would really thrive in a medical strategy position or this is something that I really want to do. Like, what would you recommend their transition to be from a retail maybe to medical strategy or MI? I think everyone's experience, and I will probably say this a million times over, but experience is everything. So you don't necessarily have to have experience in pharma to get a pharma role, Mm -hmm. but you have to understand the experiences that you have and be able to tie it back to what the company is asking of you. So like, again, when we were talking about the simple things is like a patient brochure, patient, you know, pamphlet. Mm -hmm. What can you say? The company may not understand. Like when you're talking about business companies, maybe sometimes they don't understand the patient journey. Yeah. And this is something that you can give to them and be like, yeah, well, on paper, this is what it looks like on guidelines. This is what it says, but this is what patients actually go through. This is the twist and turns that people have to go through to get Medication, like that's the valuable experience that you could bring. And when you talk about it, I think passion, Mm -hmm. I always say you can be taught the job. I mean, all of us can be taught the job. We graduated college. We have experience. You have the background. Mm -hmm. A disease state, you'll learn. That's nothing. You got Mm -hmm. through pharmacy school. You got through PhD. You can learn that. That's not a problem. For sure. What you can't teach is passion. You can't Mm -hmm. teach you know, being personable. So I think those are the things that you really have to highlight when you want to make that transition. Right. And talk to everybody. I mean, networking is everything. If you know that that's something you want to do, reach out, go on LinkedIn, talk to anybody who has whatever role that you see that you want to be in or even things Mm -hmm. that you're not interested in. You'll be surprised if those people feel a connection with you where they will take you, hey, you should meet this person. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's great, 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 great advice. That's how, you know, it's funny and everyone will hear this throughout my show, but so many of my guests say the same thing, networking and reaching out to people and having those conversations about the types of jobs that are out there that you're interested in pursuing. And even if you don't know, just doing your research and finding someone on LinkedIn that's associated with that type of title and reaching out for information or interview, that's great advice. So I guess that kind of leads me to my last question. If you could list maybe the top three skills 
for a pharmacist or a pharmacy student tapping into industry and top three interpersonal skills and top three skills, what would those skills and interpersonal skills be? I would say interpersonal skills definitely be, I like to say mendable, right? You have to be like played out. There's consistent change in pharma. There's consistent change everywhere in life, but the only thing that's consistent in pharma is change. So you have to okay, be ready. Yeah, I read. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to be ready. I mean, yeah. be ready to switch on the tip of a dime. I mean, every morning I wake up and I write down a to-do list. And I cannot yeah. tell you how many times that I've had to rewrite them in the middle of the day. Yeah, I have to reorganize <laughs> or they say prioritize. Everyone says yes. this word. Reprioritize yes. 60 million times throughout the day. But if you get hung up on it, if you get Mm -hmm. hung up, you will literally get hung up. You will not be able to proceed. Right. For sure. So you have to be able to be mendable and Mm -hmm. also be ready to be taught. And it's not going to be in the way that you see it in school. People aren't Mm -hmm. going to teach you in PowerPoint. You're not going to learn that way. But be ready to just listen. And I spend so much of my time is in meetings. But a Mm -hmm. lot of time, I'm just listening. I'm just listening to everyone's experience. And a sponge. Yeah, be a sponge. Oh, my gosh. That's the word. I use that when um, I applied to to this position. I wrote Mm -hmm. it in my letter of intent. I was like, I just want to be a sponge. (laughs) Come in ready to learn, ready to work. And don't say... No, if you don't have to, like, mm-hmm. obviously know your limits, but right. you can get an opportunity. It may not be what you think it is right away, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. never know. Right. So mendable, being able to be a sponge and absorb yes. all that's around you to learn and really develop in your role. And what's another thing? I would say, I mean, I preach and we harp on it, but it's network. I mean, yes. while you're in there, I've Mm -hmm. talked to so many people at AZ. Put on -on one-on-ones. Talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. You can sit down and learn so much and learn about other people's careers and their Mm -hmm. journeys to where they are. And you'd be surprised how many of them have had such different journeys. I mean, everyone has a different journey to get where they are. So what can you take from their journey that maybe opens your eyes? Maybe that means a new experience. Maybe it means you need to switch functions instead of being a medical maybe you go to commercial maybe you go to regulatory but when you have those conversations that's when at least for me that's when I'm Mm -hmm. like oh that sounds good that Mm -hmm. might be an experience I want to do how can I get in touch with someone that will help provide that for me right for sure that's awesome Kara this is so good you're dropping so many gems (laughs) like I knew you would which is why I had to have you on the show we're gonna if you could maybe I know you've been giving so much but if you had one last word for our listeners what would it be I would say if I had one last word it would be do not psych yourself out you are your worst critic you're already much better than what you think you are and that's just because you're here And I think a lot of times, and I can say as a woman, as a woman of Mm -hmm. color, as Mm -hmm. a person who came from not so privileged at all background, Mm -hmm. I just felt like there was so much against me. But then there's also so many people rooting for me. That's something you have to keep in your head at all times. There are going to be things that don't go right. And 
you can't let that get you down. So right. remember, you're your worst critic. So I promise you, if you think you're an eight, you're probably a 10. Yes, yes, that's good. Girl, I needed that word for myself. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, Kara. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I'm sure our listeners are going to appreciate this so much. And if you listen to this show and you found that this has been so great and you want to see Kara again, maybe in a workshop or some type of one-on-one experience, please drop a comment on the YouTube channel and we will make that happen. So thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll be back with another episode of White Coat, White Collar. That concludes today's episode of the White Coat, White Collar podcast. If you like these discussions and want to continue hearing more, please subscribe and leave a comment on the platform that you've tuned into today. For more resources on unique career options for STEM and healthcare professionals, please follow White Coat, White Collar on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you love what I'm doing and would like to be a sponsor to help me continue demystifying the career landscape, please visit whitecoatwhitecollar.com forward slash sponsor. Thank you for tuning in and all the best on your career journey. Remember, take the journey one step at a time and don't be too hard on yourself. You got this. Until next time.